When Stacy and I lived in Florida, our last year in ministry there, the Lord had really uh, given us an inner witness that we would be in transition soon. Uh, we didn't know what the time frame would be, but a lady came into our life who, who shared with us a specific message that the Lord had given her to give to us. And it was, I mean, it was a lot of detail. The details had everything to do with the transition that was coming into our life later that year, which we didn't know about. We didn't know when, we didn't know where, we didn't know how, and, and we didn't know what. But, but the word that she brought, it wasn't in a location or anything like that, but it was the circumstances by which all of that would happen. It was a, it was a page and a half manuscript that, I, that was written down in detail that I kept. She spoke it to us, and we were able to capture it, write it down, and hang on to it. And that word from the Lord really ministered to us in those next few months when no one knew that that was in our heart but Stacy and I. Nobody else knew it. We, we hadn't shared it with anybody. We were just praying. Then she came in and popped that word inside our heart. Now, here's what's interesting. Let me give you just one shot of how those details work. She said that you're going to have another baby which we had just lost a child months before that, between our two boys. And she said, you're going to have a baby, and I clearly, or I clearly hear the Lord saying, I see a baby in your arms, and when that baby comes, he's going to be the marking and the change of your ministry. You're going to pass from one type of ministry to another type, and it's going to be surrounded around the birth of that child. Well, that's one of the details. There's many. Well, let me tell you what happened. At 4.30, one afternoon, I was at the hospital, Stacy was in labor, she gave birth to our, our second son, and at 7 o'clock that night, I attended a business meeting where we were elected as pastors of the church we were at next. Does that sound right to you? Does it sound like anything might have been going on there that was actually spoken to us uh, June, uh, almost two years before it happened? Say 18 months before it came to pass. What is that? It's the supernatural work of God breaking through from where He is, pushing His way into the natural realm so that He might reveal Himself, so that His kingdom might be done on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven to earth. That's what it's about. How does God talk to people? There's a, that's a loaded question. He talks through the word. He talks through teaching. Proverbs says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. But doesn't God also talk through people? Doesn't he speak to us through other people? How, how can God get a message to you? How can God get a message to me when we're at a place where we're not hearing or, or, we're, or we can't hear? We can't hear or we're unable to hear or something. Or maybe I hear God... Maybe I'm hearing him say some things to me, but I'm in a place that God wants to speak to me through someone else to encourage me or build my faith or confirm what he's already, what he's already given me on the inside. There are supernatural moments where heaven touches earth when God is establishing his kingdom inside you and I. Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. He's establishing that kingdom inside. The Bible calls those moments when he speaks or ministers through one person to another spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12. 
Now, what are spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts have caused more confusion in the last many years, probably than any other single topic. I just want to announce, if you came in today confused about spiritual gifts, you're also going to leave today confused about spiritual gifts. Aren't you excited? My purpose today is not to bring clarity to spiritual gifts for you. Look, I don't have any debate with anyone, first off, about spiritual gifts who isn't already using what God's given them for His kingdom. You can call it purple-dotted giraffe if you want to. I don't care if you call it gift or talent or skill or personality or Fred or Mark or Bill or wall or tree or door. I just don't care what you call it. What's important is the bigger picture. That God is breaking His kingdom through His people into the world. He is breaking the kingdom of God through us in those supernatural moments. And they're called spiritual gifts. Now, there appears to be different kinds of gifts, and I, I will just touch on it for a minute. There, uh, Paul tells us in some places there are gifts of leadership and administration and helps and teaching. And then in Corinthians, what we're going to read is he talks about gifts that tend to... Um, they're kind of like something you put in the microwave. You add water and they pop up. They're there. Now... I don't understand everything there is to know about gifts. I only know God wants to use you and He wants to use me and He wants to reveal Himself. Is that not enough? And beyond that, how all that happens, I'm not totally sure. But I only know that God does speak through people. He does minister through people. And as we latch on to that, those supernatural moments drive their way through us. We know that there are these gifts that tend to be inherent in people. Can you imagine... If the gift of teaching, for example, was one of those gifts that kind of came and went, can you imagine what arrangement we might have here? Well, would whoever has the gift of teaching please make your way to the platform today? We'd like for you to share the message that God's given you. Well, that wouldn't work, would it? Or what about the gift of administration? Can you imagine? We could go to staff meeting and say, all right, Clark, move over. Somebody else has the gift of administration today, so we're going to let them do finance this week. That would be exciting. <laughs> Terrifying, but exciting. There are those things that God put in us that we tend to use across the scope of our whole life. But there are other things that in, in an instant, in a moment, by surprise almost, He can push through you so that a barrier to the gospel might be removed, or so that the Word of God or, or His kingdom might find its way in our life. We see in 1 Corinthians 12, look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. How many of you feel behind? I'm already behind. But we do know that this idea that gifts cause division or confusion is not a legitimate reason to avoid them. Because Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant. Living in neglect or ignorance is not, according to what Paul says, the will of God. Now, look at 1 Corinthians 12, 4. Just stay in chapter 12 and 14. We're going to bounce around there. 1 Corinthians 12, 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. 
And then he lists some gifts. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation. There are different kinds of gifts. There's different, there's different types of outworkings of the Holy Spirit that push their way through that door into our natural world and God reveals himself. There are, there are a diversity of ways that that happens. Now go to uh, Corinthians 12, 7. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now that's a, that's a, that's a scripture that's just loaded with, um, with misunderstood theology. He doesn't say that the gift of the Spirit is given to everyone. The gifts of the Spirit or, the, or any certain gift. One night when I was in Lakeland, Florida, we had driven, I was in college, we had driven up to a Wendy's and there was a, some fanatical revival type things going on at some local churches and the lady at the counter, we went in to get a hamburger and she said, hi, how are you doing? And we started talking, you know, we're both all Christians, the group I was with and she was and she said, you know what, something so exciting's happened. I have eight of the nine gifts and I'm praying for the ninth one right now. I just want a cheeseburger. I'm not exactly sure what to do with that. It doesn't say all the gifts are given to everyone. What it says is, is the manifestation. Leave, just leave that verse up there. The manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The manifestation's given, not the gift. What would be the difference between what's behind that door and what's on this side of the door? Well, one of those moments where heaven touches earth is the manifestation of the Spirit. That the Spirit manifests Himself through that door, through that screen through that separation from the supernatural and the natural, the Holy Spirit manifests Himself. And the Bible says to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. To each Christian. To every believer in the community of faith. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given for the common good. Not the gift. Other places... Like in teaching, leadership, administration, it seems like that God gave the gift. But here, it's not the gift. It's, it's the manifestation, it's the outworking of the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing. The main point of this verse, I just want you to uh, get a pen if you're going to underline this in your Bible. The main point of this verse is not what we've made it. It's not even manifestation. That's not the main point. The main point of this verse is not gift. The main point of this verse is the only capital word there, other than the first one, spirit. The main point of this verse, now to each one of the manifestation of the spirit. The main point of this verse is spirit, and the main point of this verse is diversity. The spirit manifests himself diversely through the body of Christ. The Spirit of God manifests Himself in a wide variety of ways so that the kingdom might be pushed in from the supernatural into the natural and that God might be revealed. 
How could the spirit that hovered over the waters and said, let there be this unique creation. Let there be this waterfall. Let there be this canyon. Let there be this river. Let this be this rare species of bird. Let this be these thousands of species in the ocean. How could the spirit that hovered over the water and that kind of diversive creativity not be diversive in the manifestation of the spirit from the supernatural to the natural? Did you get all that? I couldn't breathe anymore. Why the diversity? Why is the point the Spirit manifests Himself through us in diverse ways? Why the diversity? Because it's not for the individual. The lady at Wendy's was wrong. The gifts was not for her. They were for through her. They were for who, who they would touch. They were for the broader community. Why the diversity? Because, I don't know if you noticed, we're like all different. It takes a, it takes a diversity to touch a diverse group, but it also takes a diversity to accomplish all of God's will. All of God's will can't be done through knowledge. All of God's will can't be done through discernment. All of God's will can't be done through wisdom. All of God's will can't be done through healing. All of God's will takes all of God's gifts. All of God's will takes the diversity of the manifestation of the Spirit. It takes the wider range. So what's the purpose of the diverse manifestation of the Spirit? Well, it's right there in that verse. For the common good. I think common's underestimated. For the common good. That, that the community of faith might be lifted. That the body of Jesus might become strong. Now, this word manifestation is a very interesting word. I looked it up in Greek. Here's what it says. God, God is, is pushing Himself through the, divide, through the body in diverse ways to make, to make the body strong. Maybe one of the reasons that the body is weak is because we don't see that distinction. Here's what the Greek word in manifestation means. It, it was used at that time in secular Greek always in a negative way. Always in a negative way. Paul the apostle took the word and rescued it and made it a positive word. It meant to pursue and what it was commonly used for in secular Greek was persecute. Persecute. To go after, to persecute, the, the manifestation of the Spirit. Maybe one of the reasons that many churches aren't stronger is because there's not that manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If the gifts are to build up and they're not operating, then we're not as strong as we can be. I remember being in a, uh, Argentina once, sitting in a van with a missionary, and they were experiencing, for, for decades, they have been experiencing a, a massive revival. And, and I asked him, I said, what? I mean, this is the guy to ask. In the 1960s, there were 600 Pentecostals in the nation of Argentina. In the mid-90s, they had a, a thing called prayer quake that was a coming out of the closet, sort of, of the Pentecostal church. They had 250,000 believers in downtown Buenos Aires praying so violently, the reports were, that in office uh, buildings, telephones vibrated off the desk. 
I asked him, what's revival? He said, it's where the gifts of the Spirit are operating. Now, I I had to step back for a minute because I wasn't expecting that. I was thinking, I've heard a lot of other stuff. I've never heard that. But the more I thought about it, the more it sunk into my soul. And I thought, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe part of revival is the pushing of the supernatural through into the natural world and God is getting the credit and he's revealing himself and people are starting to understand that he's real. That sounded right to me. Let me give you some keys this morning. 1 Corinthians 14.1 If the gifts are all of that, if they're that supernatural moment from heaven to earth, what does that mean to you and I? 1 Corinthians 14.1 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Okay, do you see this word here? Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. <laughs> what I told you earlier, I, I had a... Anybody ever try to cast a sermon out of a computer? You know what I'm saying? You ever have to exercise the sermon out of the computer? I had some technology problems this morning that wouldn't behave. And I've misspoken to you and I want to clear it up. The word that I told you earlier in Greek was manifestation is desire. Now, now, now maybe it'll make sense. When is the last time that you eagerly desired spiritual gifts? But yet the Bible tells us to. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. When is the last time in your prayer life, in your devotions, in your spirituality, that you, you, you said, I want the gifts of the Spirit? When is the last time? But yet... There's the scripture. Now, this is what the word means. The word eagerly desire means pursue. It's always used in a negative sense. And this is the word I was telling you earlier that means persecute. In negative secular Greek, it was always negative. It always meant persecute. But Paul took it and used it at least seven times. And when Paul used it, what it it meant was um, a spiritual running after. Uh, a, a spiritual uh, craving. It was his favorite metaphor for spiritual effort, for spiritual pursuit. Eagerly desire, persecute the gifts. <laughs> Go after them, hunt them down, track them, stay hot on the trail. Now let me, let me give you some keys to being used in the gifts. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. Prayer. Look, this is where we go straight into kids Sunday school. I'm not going to blow your mind here. Prayer. It's where you get into that moment and you just begin to pray and you ask God to help to tune you in to the Holy Spirit so that you can somehow line up with what's happening behind that door. Lord, what did Jesus tell us how to pray? Let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If his will is going to be done on earth as it is in heaven, who's his will going to, be, going to manifest through? How, what's the channel it's going to get here on? It's not coming through a tree. It's coming through us. The kingdom of God is in you. Pray and ask the Lord. 
Ask the Lord to use you. Ask God to use you in His gifts. Ask God that you would tune in and understand. Now, I want to just say this as a preface. Spiritual gifts are not a sign of maturity. Not a sign of maturity at all. We, we think in that prayer time, we receive the gift of the Spirit in our life as the affirmation of God's, um, of our maturity. We think that what God's saying when He uses us in the gift of the Spirit is, isn't that person mature? Isn't that person deep in God? Well, I just think it's telling that the church that had the highest use of gifts was the most immature in Scripture. Corinth. Really? That's our example? I mean, you, you've got all kind of sexual immorality and all kind of issues of immaturity, and they're fighting over communion and everything else. But the gifts are up here. Don't take the gifts as a... If God uses you to, in some powerful way, don't say, I'm mature now. Maturity doesn't come that way. You've got to go to Galatians 5 to get maturity. The fruit of the Spirit. We're talking about gifts. What does the supernatural have to do with maturity? It might just mean that you're the only one in the room listening. Those leadings are not for you to gauge how spiritual, spiritual, spiritual you are, and they're not intended to keep your spiritual momentum moving in your life. Spiritual gifts are not intended to keep your spiritual momentum. That comes from your devotions. I remember when I was in uh, Southeastern our freshman year, we decided to have uh, um, our, our, all our buddies talked our dean into giving us one entire hallway where we had 35 of the closest friends in the world in one hallway, door to door. What a huge mistake. They changed the rules at Southeastern and that would never happen again because we were bad. And I remember feel the groups beginning to send some conviction. And the guy that was going to lead the devotional... Who's going to lead the devotional? Eric. Oh, Eric. Eric's going to lead the devotional? Really? So we go in here. Eric is the one that sleeps in in Mrs. Chapel. Eric is the one that dropped out of school later, and we all saw that coming. Eric is the one that's making terrible grades. Er Eric just, he just didn't ever look like he was ever going to go anywhere in anything. You know what I'm saying? And Eric stands up there, slovenly little guy, probably just woke up before the devotion. He came up and opened his Bible. He said, hey, he couldn't talk very well. He said, you know, man, I just, I just wanted to say something. I just feel like God told me to say you something. I just want to read it to you. And he blabbered it all over us and read it. The only problem was it was a lightning-bolted word from God through Eric to us. And it shocked us. It riveted our brains back on the wall. We fell on our face and cried and repented. I'm telling you the truth. Now, I, I can tell you with total confidence, Eric wasn't even close to maturing Jesus. It just so happened that day he heard God. And God used him. And it was a gift of the Spirit if I've ever seen one. The second thing is, get to know God's character in Scripture. Get to know God's character in Scripture. God's voice, the nature of God's voice hasn't changed in 2,000 years. He says the same things. He may say them in new ways, but he says the same things. I have a plan for you. I love you. 
I have a destiny for you. He's, I'm a restorer. I'm a, I'm a reconciler. I'm a mender. God, God says the same thing. He speaks the same way. What knowing, knowing what God would say about something can help you understand what God is saying about something. Do you understand what I mean? If you, if you know His voice in Scripture, it's easier to know His voice now. What He said to, to Moses, what He said to Abraham, what He said to Isaac and Jacob, what He said to Paul and Timothy, what He said to John the Revelator is a lot like what He's going to say to you and me. And knowing what He said helps us understand what He's saying. It gives us a discernment. We understand His character. I heard a pastor once say that a man had come to him and said, God told me to tell you this. And he, and he said, what do you think about that? He said, God didn't tell you to come tell me that. He said, how do you know? He said, because I know God, and that's not in his character. That's not like God. God wouldn't say that. Now, what do you do with that? You get to know God, and his next move will not be as surprising to you. Because you, because you know what He's doing. You know what He's about. What, you know it's not God when you begin to hear fear. Well, that's not Him because He didn't speak that way. But you know over here when He begins to speak love, well, that sounds like God. When, he begins to, when you, the voice starts to sound condemning and driving you with guilt and putting you down, you're never going to be good enough. You're never going to come over this. Well, you, discernment tells you that's not God because you've got to know His character in Scripture. You've got to know His voice. When you hear something begin to say, you're broken and you'll always be broken. I'll have to work around this. I'll have, I can't fix you, so I'll have to work around you. You know that's not God. What God's going to say is wholeness. God's going to put those fractured pieces back together. Here's the third one. Learn to hear God's voice. One of the greatest signs that a person has a vibrant, growing relationship with God is that they can hear Him. They can hear. None of us always hear. None of us hear everything. None of us are perfect. But they can hear. They've learned to listen. They've learned to tune in. God speaks and they hear and respond. Hearing God's voice is like changing the channel on a radio station with low frequency. You ever tried to do that? Oh, there it is. Wait, go back. Remember the old dial? Wait, 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 no. Go back, go back. Uh, you're going too far, just round the corner and start over. Come on back. Keep going, keep going. Now we got digital, and you know, it's a lot easier now. It's 97.1 and three-fourths of a fraction. We got it now. But before, you actually had to... Now, imagine having a radio dial that never stopped moving. It just was locked on its own, headed one direction, and it would skip across stations between stations, barely on the station, and the only way that you could listen to the station would be to hold the, the tuner in your hand. Just to lock it, find that spot, and lock it. But the thing is, there's all these human elements that come in in life that, that just, your arm gets tired, you get weary, you get distracted. Oh, there's McDonald's, let's go in there. You go in there, the phone rings... Uh, things catch your eye, you forget about the tuner, your, your arm starts to get weary, your attention span just fails because you've watched too much TV and the internet, you're ADD now, and you're just sitting there. This is kind of what it's like hearing God. 
you hold that spot in where you, where you hear, and whoa, and then something happens. Ah. And learning to hear God is like holding that dial still, right on his station, right on his broadcast. So I can hear what he's sending out. One day, uh, a husband and wife came to me through the week in the church office. And they were so broken. Uh, they had been, he had been addicted to cocaine and had gone through a, a program a couple of times. And they were at a desperate point. And I'd never met his wife but once. And she came with him. And, and they just came to me in tears. What do we do? And um, I went to pray for them. And I just started, I said, Lord, what, what do you have for them? Help me, God. I don't, I don't even know. What do we do, Lord? What do you have for them? And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, tell that woman that I'm a better father than her father was. Okay. I said, hey, I, I don't know you. You don't know me. Your husband brought you here. I just felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you that he's a lot better dad than your dad was. And she just went in hysterics. She fell apart. What is that? That's the supernatural. That's God revealing himself and saying, Abba, Father, in a supernatural way. Hey, I know where you are. I know your name. I'm here. Turn to me now. It's not over. It's not hopeless. The supernatural brought that part of the kingdom to her. Here's another one that maybe uh, may catch you off guard. If, if you want the Lord to use use you in this way, and the Bible says all Christians should, you have to be willing to, to do trial and error. You have to be willing to say some things that might not be God. You have to look at someone and say, listen, I'm, this is what I, what I feel. Does that sound right to you? you I, I think we're so used to a proclamational gospel and we want to be bold and filled with the Holy Spirit so much that, that we've created a dilemma where all we can do is torch their hair off or say nothing. You know what I mean? And is there a way in between you can say without saying it, look, I'm a, I'm a believer, I love God, I just hear Him whispering this to me, uh, uh, is, is this for you? I'd like to, I'd, is God saying this to you? I'd like to say it to you. And, you. and you have to be willing to allow God to use you in that way. And just to say, look, I'm, you know, this, this, is, the, this is the moment. This is the, the, this is the gift of the Spirit, I think. You don't even have to call it that. You just say, I think, I think God wants to minister to you in this way. Does that seem right to you? You don't shove the gift on somebody. How would you like that at Christmas? Here's the gift. Do you think there might be a reason God called it gift? It's given in graciousness. It's given in kindness. And it's given with enough humility to realize I might not have knew exactly what to get you for Christmas. But this is what I heard the Lord say. And now in the broader context of the community of God, let's just discern if this is right or not. Let's still be willing to hear. Now here's the last thing. The fifth one. To know God's voice. And this parallels the third one I told you. You have to know God's heart. To know God's voice, you have to know God's heart. If we know what God is like enough to love Him the way He is, 
He has ways to make sure we can hear Him. He has ways to make sure that He can breathe through the, the supernatural into the natural. He can breathe that through us. Because to know His voice, you have to know His heart. You have to know what He's about. What He's trying to say. 1 Corinthians 14, let's look at verse 1 one more time. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Follow the way of love. What is God revealing to you and to me about His heart? What is He saying? Sometimes we get so caught in the dynamics that we, we, we think we hear, but sometimes we don't hear because we misunderstand His heart. You do know between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 is 1 Corinthians 13. The chapter we always use at weddings but fail to base the rest of our ministry on. Follow. I love that he opened chapter 14 with this reminder. Hey, hey, follow the way of love. Follow the path of love. The bottom line of the Spirit's work in our life is not the Spirit's power. Now listen to me. The bottom line of the Spirit's work in our life is not the Spirit's power, but it's a transformed heart that learns how to love. And then the gifts of the Spirit are manifested through that heart of love in a way that is powerful. Spiritual power without love is dangerous. Love without spiritual power is ineffective. What we want is God to do both. Now, the reason we pursue the gifts, the reason we pursue love, is because love is eternal, but the gifts are not. There is coming a day when you and I will, will not wait for God to reach through that door to us. But there is coming a day that we'll walk through that door to Him. And the Bible says, Paul says, on that today we know in part, today we hear in part, to, today we see through a glass dimly, but one day we'll walk through that door and we'll be like Him because we'll see Him as He is.